distract us, O God, from hearing from You today, Lord Jesus. O God, that we could lay aside the things that we could cast and truly cast every care, O God. That we could let go of the things that we have no control over, which is pretty much everything. Lord Jesus, You are in control of everything, O God. You are in control of all things, God. You are in control of every breath that we breathe. You're in control, O God, of every beat of our heart, O God. Lord, be in control of our thoughts. Be in control of our mind. Be in control of our emotions. Hallelujah, Lord. Let us submit those things to You today. Let's continue to pray and magnify His name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. No, we don't want any disruptions from the enemy today. Lord, He would like nothing better than to distract our minds today. Lord, let our minds be settled in upon you today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your goodness. Great is your faithfulness. God, great is your loving kindness and your tender mercy, Lord Jesus. Great are you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Lead us today, lead us today. Lead us today. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God, my God. Oh, let's just take a moment and now, right now, in the name of Jesus. Father, we acknowledge you as Savior, as Healer. We acknowledge you, O oh God, as our great Savior right now. Oh, you are our, hallelujah, Lord, our Counselor. Oh, you are the mighty God today. Oh, Jesus, be Lord of all. Be Lord of all of our lives. Oh, God, not just in empty words. Father, that you would be Lord of everything, that we would allow you and submit ourselves to you so completely. Father, that you would be Lord of everything, Lord of everything, O God. Lord of every thought, every intent of the heart, Lord Jesus, have your way among us today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I condono no mai siki e tono no mai e ki e tatata namakosi e. Condono no mai siki e tatata namakoti ki e nanamai e. Shalomo Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Does this seem a little loud to anybody? Can we turn me down just a little bit? Thank you. Trying to get this new sound system, these new speakers adjusted a little bit. They got a little more oomph to them than the old ones did. Praise God. <clears throat> this is not on the scripture list I gave you. The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me, because he, the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty 
to the captives and the opening of the prison uh, of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give to them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness for they that they might be called trees of righteousness the planting of the Lord that they might be glorified. Amen. Who wrote that? Who wrote that? Isaiah. Who quoted that? Jesus quoted that when he took the scripture up in the synagogue. And then right after he read that, he put it down and what did he say? Now is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing? Amen. And so what did Jesus go forth and do in his his ministry in the earth? He went forth one by one making disciples of men. He just walked up to him and said, "Follow me." Wouldn't wouldn't it be wonderful if it were that easy? <laughs> There's one in a very, very large number that might do that. Amen. But that's what he did. He took those men under his wing and he took them from all walks of life and he he ministered to them and he he taught them and he modeled things to them and, and he did everything he could to prepare them. The only thing he didn't do is do it for them. He eventually had to leave the scene and leave them to to trust him and to trust not in their own flesh, but in, in his ability through them. And that's what he tried for three and a half years to prepare them for. And I don't think they turned out too bad. Because they, they must have done something right because here we are today. And so this thing has been perpetuating itself for, for eons, for, for a long time. And so we, we fast forward a little bit to the Apostle Paul, who we were talking about yesterday was a very, very, very educated man. He would, he would have been considered today to be a scholar. He would have been considered to, he would have probably had a doctorate degree in theology. And he was very, very, very educated, very well educated growing up as a young man. And then he, he sat under the best teachers of the law. And so he had all that he needed. He had not only those things, but he was a Roman citizen and he was a, a Pharisee. And so he had all the credentials, if you will, that, that could have got him anywhere. It could have really gotten him in any door, anywhere. But yet, when it was come time for him to be called, what, what I'll, I'll use the term, into the ministry. Because <laughs> he uses that term, I don't. He calls it the ministry that Jesus gave him. It's not Paul's ministry. It's the Lord's ministry in Paul's life. And so Paul had to lay all of that aside. He had to lay all of his, for the most part, he laid all of his doctoral his training, his, his, his status in life. He had to lay all of that aside. And how do we know that? Because it's just, it's borne out in the New Testament throughout all the things that he went through that he could have easily just as Jesus could have called 12 legions of angels 
And there actually was one time where Paul pulled out the Roman card. Right? <laughs> and they were like, oh, oh, we'll just let you go now. And, and he said, oh, no, you're not just going to, I'm not going to let you off that easy. Right? You can't just do that to a Roman. He did pull that card out. So God gives us the ability to use wisdom and not to abuse our standing and our privilege. And so this same Paul wrote this. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... Whoop. Yep. No. That's not right. Hold on. Come on, Brother Demuth. Thought I had it all laid out here. <laughs> My technology's fault. I blame the technology. And so here he is, a captive, a prisoner, and he's speaking to King Agrippa, and he says, At midday, O king, I saw in the way uh, a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he said unto And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. There you have it, right there. Both of those things which thou hast seen, and those things which I have appeared unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I send thee. He delivered him from the people to turn around and send him back to the people. He had to send him through a little quick training class first for a couple of years. Kind of get Paul's mind right. So he goes on to say this in verse 18 of Acts chapter 26. To open their eyes. That's what we're doing this for. That's the whole purpose of teaching this Exploring God's Word Bible study. Now, today I'm really going to kind of get into actually teaching the Bible study. But I just felt impressed to to just talk about these couple things first. But this is the whole purpose of sitting across the table from somebody. You're not trying to impress them. You might not, they might not get their eyes open right away the first two, three, four lessons. You just have to keep praying and plowing that field. You have to just keep just letting God work. Don't rush it. But this is what God, this is what Jesus told Paul. And this is what Paul told Agrippa in sharing his testimony. He said to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. The people, the person you're sitting across from is in darkness. How many remembers when they didn't really know or understand that Jesus was God and that there was a one God, and that you needed to be baptized in Jesus' name, not just in the titles and, and not as a child. But you, how many remembers that? You were in darkness. You were in darkness. And those people out there, you know, Brother Cedra said it on Wednesday. You need to get out of here and go out there. All right. We had a, a man sent all the way from Egypt to tell us that. Hallelujah. I was shouting on the inside when he said that. That was me, Lord. That's me. He was talking to me. And it says here to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. What kind of darkness? It goes on to say from the power of Satan 
to the power of God. Because the Bible says that Satan has them captive at his will. So Satan still has power. I'm not giving glory to Satan today. But he's still the God of this world until Jesus takes us out of here and deals with him. So he's out there keeping people blind. Blinding them with religion. Blinding them with their own ideas. Blinding them with all kinds of stuff. And we've got to remember that when we're sitting across from those people at that table. We've got to be humble and remember where we came from. We've got to be patient with people because somebody was patient with us. Thank you, Jesus. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. This is, by, it says, by faith which is in me, which is in who? Jesus. It's okay to have confidence in yourself, but I believe the book of Hebrews 10.35 says your confidence is in the Lord. And so that's why it's important when you're teaching this Bible study. You're talking about exploring God's Word. And Now, I'm going to say this too. You don't have to use this Bible study. There's plenty of them out there that are outstanding Bible studies. You get the one that you think you want, and you read it and study it till you know it like you know the back of your hand, and you start teaching that thing. Pretty soon you won't even need this. It'll be second nature. Right? But that's what it's all about. That's what the Lord wanted me to say this morning, that it's, it's not about you checking the box. It's not about you saying, I taught a Bible study. Okay, are you happy now? That's not what it's about. That's, not, that's the wrong attitude to take. This is serious business. Brother Cedra was talking about it. We've we got to get outside of our building. That's what God told him. You've got to get out there. Go to the book fair. Do something. Here's a good idea. Just let God give you an idea like he gave Brother Cedra. And then run with it. Might not be in your house. Might work better in a coffee shop. Might work better in a McDonald's. they got a church in your hometown, Brother Parker, from a, that started in a McDonald's dining room. Start with one person in a McDonald's dining room. And pretty soon, every week that you meet there, there's going to end up eventually being somebody sitting nearby that's going to be going, what are they talking about? And they're going to just be bold enough to come over and say, hey, what are you all talking about? Oh, we're having a Bible study. Would you like to join us? I mean, look, you got a, a wide open door. And it's on neutral ground. Right? You don't know who you're going to get a hold of. But God does. God knows. So don't let yourself judge by what these your peepers see, what this thing smells, or, or anything else. Don't let yourself start judging. Just say, okay, God, you sent them. Hallelujah. How many are excited about teaching a home Bible study? Amen. You need to be. Every hand in this place needs to go up. If God's still using a guy at 75 years old in Egypt, <laughs> sorry, but he's no respecter of persons. <laughs> he called a lady to Minnesota that was in her 70s to start a church with no husband. 
And her first convert ended up becoming her husband. So don't say, oh, I'm too old. Or, or don't say, I'm too young. Oh, I'm sorry. You could be the greatest soul winner in the church. I'm not kidding. I'm serious. The most least likely person you could think of is going to be the one. But I digress. Where did we leave off at last week? We were starting into the time of conscience, the, from the fall to the flood. Amen? I hope everybody's taking notes. Remember I said you, you need to get some notebooks and some Bibles and have those ready. Be, be prepared to give those things away. Right? That's better than a lottery ticket. That's better than a lottery ticket. Adam and Eve, they were cast out of the garden, weren't they? Why were they cast out of the garden? One word. Sin. Sin. They allowed themselves to sin. It didn't just happen. The devil didn't make them do it. They made a decision. When we sin, we do it because we made a decision to. We let the devil tell us some, some lie in our mind and we accepted it. And we said, eh, that sounds like a good idea. And as soon as you do that, you just took it out of the devil's hand and put it in your hand. You've taken responsibility for it. You've taken ownership of it. There's a lot of people out there that do that all the time. They're, we were one of those people. But one day, somebody started showing us a better way. And when God plants a seed through somebody like you, the seed's going to go on some kind of ground. Now, that seed might go on some ground that's a little rocky. That seed might go on some ground that's got some weeds growing in it. But that doesn't mean you just give up. You work on that ground. That's why we fast. That's why we pray. That's why we intercede and travail. That's why Jesus intercedes for us so that we can be successful doing those things for his kingdom. You plow that ground in prayer. You watch and see what God won't do. We've been praying over the city of Sparta, and there's a young man that I work with that I know attends uh, another sort of Pentecostal church in Sparta. I won't say the denomination, but this young man came to me Friday. Where do y'all, y'all go to church? I told him. And in the process of the conversation, he said, yeah, me and my family and some other couple other people have been meeting in my house, just having house church. We're, we're looking for something different. And I thought, wait a minute. I know where he said he went to church. <laughs> so he was saying a lot to me without saying it. And I just, so then he he had to go do whatever it was he, he does. He's an electrician on the facility, and so he had to go on, and I had to go on about my business. But I went back to my desk, and I just sat there and thought, wow, what just, what just happened, God? Did you just open a door? So I've been praying over that situation ever since then. Because he's already got a house group. He said it out loud to me. <laughs> okay. God, I mean, I don't need a sledgehammer to knock me in the head and tell me something. God's opening a door. So i got to begin to 
use wisdom and walk through it. So how timely is this that I'm teaching this for me? And so Eve and Adam, they were cast out of the garden and because of sin, and God told them exactly what would happen. And so, sure enough, Adam had to till the ground and deal with weeds and bugs and everything else. And Eve had to give birth to two, two sons, and she had to do it. That childbearing was with, with great pain and agony and sorrow, just like God said. When God says something, He means it. It will come to pass. And so these two brothers were born, Cain and Abel. Cain was a tiller of the ground, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. And, and one, one thing led to another. It was time to bring the worship. And they must have been trained on what the proper way to worship was, because I just have to believe that. It doesn't really say that. It doesn't bear it out in Scripture. But you just have to believe that, that mom and dad, even though they had sinned, and even though they had, you know, all that had happened, Somewhere along the line, they had to have been taught. And, and how many of us have said, well, I, you know, I don't think we should do it that way. Now, I, you know, I see, that, I see that God wants us to do it, but I think I got a better idea. And that's what Cain said. I, I get, I'm tired of killing sheep. I wanna, I'm, all, I'm a gardener. I'm just going to bring some. Uh, God, will, he'll take my sacrifice. No worry. No foul. No harm. And God just very kindly said, you know, to Cain, isn't there a better sacrifice you can bring? And it was sort of a one of those questions that God already knew the answer to. Usually when God asks you a question, <laughs> he already knows the answer. He's just waiting for you to give the right answer. And so Cain did what a lot of us do today. He got mad got upset, didn't like it. What did he go do? Killed his own brother. Blame somebody else. It's not my fault. It's my upbringing. It's not my fault. You'll hear that from people. And yeah, there might have been something to that. You know, upbringing has a lot to do with that, but but God, can over, He can override all of that. God can take situations and just make it as though it never happened. That doesn't mean that they don't have some things going on and people carry a lot of stuff with them. Okay? So you've got to understand. You've got to let God deal with that and bring that to the surface in His time. You know, you are going to run into some people that are carrying a lot of baggage. And you, gotta, you can't just drag it out of them. You got to let them, let God deal with them. Let God deal with them. Amen. And so Cain was judged. And so Cain actually argued with God after he was judged and said, "But if you send me out there as a vagabond, somebody they're going to kill me." And so God set a mark on Cain and said, "Anybody kills him, bad stuff's going to happen to your family." Right? And so I, I kind of touched on this, but I believe that worship was taught to these young men. So they, they, know, they knew to worship. Because after Abel died, there was another son born. Right? And he, he worshiped God. 
And then there was yet another man that came along. And what was his name? Enoch. Enoch. So the Bible says that Enoch was not, for God took him. This was a man that walked with God. This was a man that loved God. This was a man that worshipped God. And so even in the Old Testament and even today, God has expectations for us. He expects us to serve Him. He expected Cain and Abel and Enoch and Seth to submit and do His will. He expected Adam and Eve, all they had to do was just stay away from that one tree. It's all they had to do. And all they had to do was, I know they didn't have Scripture, they didn't have a Bible, but all they had to do was just resist that temptation from that lying devil. We've got Scripture. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. This is the first thing you got to do. I'm not even going to go to the second part yet. You've got to submit yourself, therefore, unto God. And it's okay in the Bible study to kind of go off on these little brief rabbit trails. Just don't stay there. Try to stay in the Bible study. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So it doesn't say he's not going to come. It just tells you you've got to be prepared for when he does come. If you're submitted to God... If you're submitted every day, if you have a mindset of being submitted to God in everything you say, do, hear, speak, every breath you take, when the devil does come, you're, you're going to be prepared for that. You're going to know because you're going to know what this book says. And you're going to go, whoa, that's not, that's not in Scripture. You're not going to be like Eve going, well, I think he said. He said, neither shall ye touch it. That's what she told the devil. And the, and the devil knew Scripture, and he immediately knew, I got her. Because she don't know what word the Word says. I'm not asking anybody in this room to become a Bible scholar, but know what this Word says. And you're not going to be able to give an answer. I know the Bible says be ready to give an answer to every man for the hope that's in you, but there's going to be times where you're going to get asked questions that you won't have the answer to right away. Don't start freaking out. Just write, ask them to write that question down, and we'll cover that on the next lesson. Give yourself some time to get them an answer. Use wisdom. Right? When I was a technician working on phone systems, there was times I didn't know the answer to questions. And I would tell them, i got to go out to my truck for a minute. I didn't say I'm going to get the manual. I just had to go out to the truck for a minute. I'll be right back. And I'd go get the manual, read it up, and get my answer. And then I'd go back in with my answer. <laughs> I never said I was going out to get the manual. That would make you just look really kind of, well, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Why do I have him here? But there was no way to know everything about everything about those systems. And so I kept manuals in the truck. And, it, you know, if you think you know where it's at in the Bible... Have, make sure they have their Bible handy. When you're, when you're going over these scriptures, don't just read them. Take, slow down and take the time to, hey, let's, let's open our Bibles and let's turn to this and read it together. Make them read it. 
They can read it. Matter of fact, I would recommend that you get some a pack of highlighters, like little packs you can give away. And I would I would encourage people that you're teaching a Bible study to go ahead and highlight in that Bible. Go ahead and write in it. Write notes in it. If you if something really jumps out at you, just you know whatever you got to do. First time I saw somebody highlighting in a Bible, I thought they're going to hell because I didn't know any. They had to kind of explain to me, it's okay. It's just a book with paper. God's okay with it. It made sense. So I said, okay. Oh, my goodness. You're destroying your book. Hallelujah. There was punishment for disobedience. There was punishment for disobedience. Is it that way today? It's that way today. So when Abel was bringing his sacrifice, the Bible says that he obeyed God out of faith. Hebrews 11 and 4 says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead yet speaketh. The testimony of Abel speaks from the ground. God wants a specific thing. He want, It was specific faith. It was just not just general faith. And it was a complete trust and confidence in God's way and not their own way. And we got to learn that. There's an old song that, that's sung that, that goes, Not my will, but thine be done. Pray Jesus. And let the same I can't remember the words now. Every day in this robe of flesh that I wear when it makes me falter, guide my feet, hold my hand all the way. Not my will, but thine be done. Pray, Jesus. we got we got to pray that prayer every day. I do. Maybe you don't, but I do. Not my will. Not my will. If, if it was good enough for Jesus to say that, it's good enough for me to say that. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus had to deal with flesh. He did. He had to deal with it so he could teach us that we got to deal with it. But how did he deal with it? Turn to his Father every time. Father, not my will. If this is what I got to go through. This is what I got to go through for the kingdom. Amen. So we get to Noah. Noah was Enoch's grand, great grandson. Lineage of Adam and Eve, right? And by the time we get to Noah, the people of this world have gotten so wicked, it's just out of hand to the point where God's repenting that He even created man. It kind of sounds like the world we live in today, doesn't it? Everyone was doing what was right in their own mind, right in their own eyes. Secular humanism, relativism, 
well, I, th- I think this is right. Even though you think it's wrong, I think it's right. So that makes it right for me. Anybody ever heard that kind of mindset, that kind of talk? There's no absolutes. There's no absolute truth. I work with a guy that's got that as a part of his email signature. If somebody says there's absolute truth, run the other way or some quote from somebody. And I'm like, you have no idea, buddy. (laughs) You're going to say it's totally different when you're standing before the king. Now, what was that? He's going to say, now, what was that you put on your email signature? When he's standing before the king, there is absolute truth. I'm telling you right now. And so God used a man like Noah to do something totally crazy. I, want, I think God wants to use us to do some totally crazy stuff. Build an ark on a mountain? Are you crazy? And they called that man crazy for a long time. And the same message was being preached every day by Noah. Save yourselves. There's going to be a flood. Save yourselves. There's going to be a flood. I know I'm, I'm not reading right out of the book, but I, you get the gist of what I'm doing here. Save yourselves. There's going to be a flood. Oh, shut up, Noah. Come on, go party with us. No, 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 no. There's going to be a flood. I'm telling you. God told me to build this boat. You're an idiot. Noah, there's never going to be a need for that boat. Rain, what's that? Because they had never experienced rain before. But the minute it started raining, a whole bunch of people were, Hey, let us in the boat. Hey, Noah, open the door. I can't. God shut it. Because that's what happened. God shut the door. The door's open. This is what you tell people. There's an open door in your life right now. We have an open door today, right now. To go somewhere beyond where we've been in our whole walk with God up to this point, up to this moment. You can stay where you've always been. You can stay in the same lane you've always been in. Or you can get out of that slow lane and you can get in another lane. Can I put it that way? <laughs> go ahead. Get in the fast lane. Just get on God's Autobahn. <laughs> Anybody ever been to Germany and drove the Autobahn? There's certain lanes in the Autobahn I've been told that if you see... Flashing headlights in your mirror, rear view mirror, you need to get over real quick because they're coming about 160 miles an hour and they're trying to tell you to move over and they're going to be there like now. Is that true? Yeah, somebody in a Beamer or some, some fast car. So if you're poking along in the fast lane, get out of the fast lane. But I think we need to get in the fast lane. God wants us out there, as Brother Cedra said. I'm, with I'm just going to keep referencing that, I guess. But God sent him here to say that. We need to get out there. He's never going to reach one person in Egypt if he doesn't get out there. And it's hard. It's, it, it's hard, isn't it, to reach people in Egypt with a Christian message? It really is. It's got to be difficult. And we think it's hard here. But it's got to be extra hard over there. You could go to jail. And so God sent Noah to build that ark. And up to the day that he closed the door, everybody had a chance. Everybody's got a chance to get in the boat today. This is what you're telling that candidate across from you. you just don't, don't, like, like God told the prophet Jeremiah, don't, don't 
pay attention to their eyes. Don't pay attention to their look. Just say what God's telling you to tell them. Let, let the chips fall where they may. Let the seed fall. Let it just go in there and just find a place. And so God closed the door. And God did exactly what He said He would do. He flooded the earth and He destroyed everything. Animals, plants, you name it. Destroyed everything. And He saved eight people. And he, that man preached the message his whole adult life. And nobody would listen. But he didn't stop preaching it. And so the, the world began over again. Amen. A righteous family was preserved. God preserved some animals and a righteous family. And we know that's not just a story because out there somewhere in Turkey, there's a, a mountain range called Mount Ararat. And they believe that it's under it's in ice, I believe, right now, if I'm not mistaken. But they believe that the ark's still sitting there. They've been able to see it from satellite or something. And so God just knew certain things to just leave behind. And one of those things that he, those promises that he made to Noah was he left behind a promise. That he would never destroy the earth with water again. I don't care what the, the, the apologists for the, uh, the earth movement say. He's never going to flood the world with water again. Period. I don't care what Al Gore says. <laughs> He's never going to do it again. Period. And how do we know that? We just saw one the other day. A rainbow. He, he gave us the rainbow. And he said, I'm going to give you a bow in the sky to, to remind you that I've promised I'd never flood the, the earth with water again. It never said that he wouldn't ever destroy the earth again. He just wouldn't do it with water. And so that's what the rainbow is supposed to represent. But some people have culturally appropriated that and made it to mean other things, but we know better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that like the devil? Just stealing God's ideas all the time. Like the scientist that wanted to create human beings and was having a discussion with God and, and he he, God said, fine, you go ahead and create your own. And he went to reach down and grab some dirt and said, God said, ah, you got to make your own dirt. That's my dirt. Whoopsie. That righteous family was saved and obedience was still required. Just like with Adam and Eve, obedience was still required. Obedience to the faith that you have in God is still required. He required obedient faith. And you know that God had an escape plan and nobody took it. And He never spared those who were disobedient to His Word. They had the chance and they passed it up. It's okay. In one place in Genesis 6 and 3, it says, God said, My spirit shall not always strive with men. God's merciful. God's loving. God is kind. God is patient. Thank God He's patient. 
with us. Thank God He's patient with me. But He's not always going to strive with men. He's going to give us, He's going to give this world today every chance to get in the boat. And they're going to just, they're just going to stick their nose up in the air and say, ah, that's, where's the, you know, where's the promise of His coming the Bible talks about? That's what they're saying. You Christians, you've been saying this stuff for hundreds of years, and I still don't see Him. Well, they're not looking very hard. Let's hope they're seeing Him in us. Amen? When you get to that Bible study, be prayed up. Be fasted up. Why do we fast, ultimately? Bottom line. To get our flesh out of the way so God can deal with us. So God can talk to us. So that it's not our flesh doing it. It's God doing it through us. Become that conduit. Become that pipe where He can just flow through you in that Bible study. It's not that He's not going to let you use your own mouth and your own ideas, but let God be the one in charge of the Bible study. You're going to have to use your spirit of discernment. You're going to have to use... Wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and you're going to have to ask God to give you those things, not just human wisdom, but godly wisdom, to know what to say and what not to say. Every circumstance is going to be different. Amen? And you know, God gives you a Bible study with somebody, and you don't know. That guy in Sparta that approached me Friday, you don't know who that person's connected to. You don't know who they're related to. You don't know who they know. You might just think you're teaching one Bible study, but you might just be, that might be the first domino in a long line. You get the one domino, the rest of them are going to fall right behind it. What did, what did Cornelius do when, when God spoke to him? He went and got, he filled his house up with people. Not even family, just a whole bunch. He had, and I'm not talking a house like my house. He, they had like, a guy like that had probably a, a villa. And he had them wall to wall in there waiting for Peter to show up. Just like that missionary, that Brother McFarland, I think it was. Wherever that was, all those Philippine people that were loaded up in that house when he showed up to teach a home Bible <laughs> They were they were filled up in the living room, down the hallway, and before he got to the second chart in the Bible study, people were talking in tongues. So, be prepared to to just ditch the Bible study if you see somebody responding. Be prepared. Be prepared. I'll I'll never forget that young lady getting that the Holy Ghost in my government quarters in Okinawa. I'll never forget that till the day I die. That was the most awesome thing for me as a new convert to see that. To know I didn't do that. God just moved in there and took over. And I just I had enough forethought to just step back and say, You're in charge. Go. Didn't even have to lay hands on her. And she got the Holy Ghost in spite of that. Amen? Is this okay? Amen. How are we doing? Pretty good. Don't forget to keep an eye on the clock when you're teaching your Bible study.
don't make it obvious, but it's a 45-minute Bible study. You need to try to keep it to 45 minutes, right? Keep people hungry. Give them something to think about. Give them, send them home with some homework. I want you to read this scripture. I want you to study this. I want you to learn the first five books of the Bible. Easy stuff. Come back next week and quote me the first five books of the Bible without looking at it. Just give them little easy stuff to do because they're going to need to know how to get around in that book. <clears throat> Don't start with the whole first Old Testament. <laughs> or how many books are in the New Testament? How many books are in the Old Testament? Simple stuff. Sunday school stuff. You know, make them, make them come back and, and feel like Bible scholars. Right? I want to be encouraged. I want to be lifted up if I'm taking the time out. To have you in my house or coming to your house or meeting somewhere. I want it to be worth my while. Don't you? Amen. <clears throat> Humankind judged. So as I've already said about the rainbow, today we look at the sky and we look at that rainbow. And if you're a Christian, if you're a godly person, if you've, if you've even read the Bible a couple of times, you know what that rainbow means. God keeps His promises. It doesn't mean that we haven't had floods, but He's never flooded the earth with water again. And the earth will one day face judgment again in a different manner. Second Peter 3, 4-7 says, <clears throat> Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, and by the word of God the heavens were old, and the earth standing, in, in, standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that <clears throat> by, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Judgment is coming upon the wicked and the ungodly. And hell was created, the Bible says, for who? The devil and his angels. Nowhere ever does it say that it was created for us, humans. It doesn't say that. So if people end up there, they're going to end up in a place that was created to punish devil and his angels. And the Bible says that there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I believe that there's going to be people there that their greatest punishment for being there will be the regret of knowing that they had heard the gospel they had a chance and they didn't take it just that alone would be enough punishment for me the regret of knowing that i had my every i had multiple opportunities because your soul's going there their souls are going there and so you always have your memory. You always have all those things. Even though this, this body won't be there, you'll have the, the regret of knowing that you're here because 
as one preacher said, of the preponderance of evidence against you. And you helped create that evidence by your own lifestyle, by ignoring the voice of somebody that came by and handed you a track or spoke a scripture to you or told you that Jesus loved you. But that doesn't mean we just, oh well, just let them go. There's too many of them. There's not enough of us. We, we can't take that attitude. They're out there. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. There's people out there that every one of you have daily contact with that I'll never meet in my lifetime. But you will. And you have. And you have daily contact with them. At least tell them. If they turn it down, at least you told them. And move on and find somebody else. But at least you told them. They, they will not have an excuse. Amen? And you never know if they might walk away and think about that. Six months later, call you up and say, Hey, remember when you asked me about doing that Bible study? Yeah? I think I'm interested in that now. Or two weeks from then, or whenever. Don't just walk away and just write them off in your little black book and say, I'm not going to ever talk to them about Jesus again. Keep praying. Put them on your prayer list. Does this make sense? Daniel Webster, when he was Secretary of State under U.S. President Fillmore, was dining once with 20 distinguished men in the Astor House in New York. He was unusually quiet, and his thoughts seemed to be elsewhere. To draw him out, someone asked him an unusual question. Mr. Webster, will you tell me what was the most important thought that ever occupied your mind? Webster thought for a moment, and then he said for all to hear, the most important thought that ever occupied my mind was that of my individual responsibility to God. It is said that he talked for 20 minutes upon that subject. We have a responsibility, saints, to God. You know, after the day of Pentecost, all those new converts... It said that they they went and had fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Didn't it? And what did they fellowship about? What do you think they fellowshiped about? What was on CNN last night? Nope. Nope. They were fellowshipping about the things that just happened to them. Like we were doing in our kitchen last night. Just talking about the things of God. Just talking about the things of God. The wonderful thing that just happened to them. Breaking bread and having fellowship and prayers. What were they praying for? I think they realized that they didn't. this wasn't just stopping with them. And I think that the scripture bears it out because what does it say next? In a nutshell, it pretty much says, And they went from house to house. They took this message out. And they took it from house to house, having favor with all the people. Who gave them that favor? God did. You take this Holy Ghost out there, and people know when you walk in a room. They don't even know why, why they quit cussing. They, I, I was telling you all, I've told you all before, I work with people that I hear cuss all the time, but when they're around me, it's just odd. They'll say it, and then they'll go, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't say anything. 
<laughs> like, why are they? Excuse my French. Tell them that's not French. Sorry. <laughs> but we have this Holy Ghost in us. And it is like, if you've ever put your hand up close to an incandescent light bulb, it's hot. And that light shines and it draws those bugs like you wouldn't believe. And that's what we are. We are that light. We are taking that light into this world. I read that out of Acts 26, 13 through 18 about bringing them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Now, it doesn't mean you just walk in a room and they just suddenly are illuminated, but we're bringing light to a dark world. What did Brother Cedric say about light and darkness? Children are afraid of dark. Adults are afraid of light. People are going to be afraid of it. They're going to they're going to bristle around it. They're going to not want to. But you got to bring the light anyway. We got to do it. And at the end of all of that, what what did that scripture say when they went from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship and having favor with all the people? What did it say happened? What did it say happened? And the people added to the church daily such as should be saved. And the pastor added to the church daily such as should be saved, right? No? What did it say? I'm sorry. And the Lord added to the church. I can't save anybody. I couldn't even save myself. You can't either. But you can lead them and let the Lord save them. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you let the Lord save them, if you let the Lord plant, if you let the Lord build the house, if you don't try to get them to fall in love with the church or try to get them to fall in love with the pastor, not that there's anything wrong with the pastor, but they're not supposed to fall in love with the pastor. Because what if God takes the pastor out to home to be with Jesus next week? I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if they fall in love with Jesus, it doesn't matter who's standing up here. So we got to get them to fall in love with Jesus. That's how you got saved. You had to have a relationship with Jesus, and you got to have one now. Regardless of what man is talking about it. Amen? Father, we love you today. We thank you for this opportunity to talk about your word talk about this Bible study, Lord. We thank you for helping us, Lord Jesus, to get to go outside of this building, Lord Jesus, to go into our neighborhoods, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, Lord Jesus, to, to teach a Bible study wherever might, we might be able to find an opportunity, Lord. Help, help us, God, to have a sensitivity to your spirit, to know when the opportunity is in front of us, O oh God, and to be able to walk in through that door, Lord Jesus, and that, the, that a soul might be saved, that we might see Lord, one more added to the kingdom, Lord Jesus. Have it, let it be done through your people. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'll see everybody back here at a quarter till.